0: Please be seated. Well, again, happy Advent, uh, the second Sunday of the season, and we continue uh, looking at the incarnation in the Gospel of Matthew. In particular, uh, this morning, we will be in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And if you're using the Bible under the chair in front of you, you'll find that on page 807. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. But before I I read the text, and even as I was reading through the text this past week, I I realized that we encounter a problem before even hearing these words. And the problem is this that for many of us, we have become so familiar with the story that we don't really even hear it anymore. Do, Do you know what I mean? We, we've heard this story so much, it, it makes me think of when Heather and I moved to Vancouver, Canada, uh, about 14, 15 years ago. And we had both uh, grown up in suburban settings, uh, we got married and then lived in a suburban setting, and then we moved into the very heart, uh, urban core uh, of a major North American city. Vancouver's kind of a, like a, a mini Manhattan, and we, we had a great apartment in a commercial district, And I couldn't sleep because I could hear everything. I could hear the buses, the taxis, the cars, the dreaded car alarms when no one was even breaking in, the beep-beep of the backing up of garbage trucks, people back and forth, the hustle and bustle. And we loved the city. We loved it. But I heard it all until I became familiar with it. And after a while, I was able to sleep fine because I I no longer heard the sounds anymore. They were so familiar. And so that's the challenge for us when we have heard over and over the Christmas story. Do we really hear it? Because we need to. We need to hear it afresh. We need to hear God's word, that our minds might be renewed, that our, our hearts might hear and be transformed, that our very lives would be enlivened by the gospel of God's grace. And as I was praying through the text, I I came across uh, what the Apostle Peter wrote in his his, uh, second letter uh, this week. Um, In his second letter, he, he writes that he hopes to stir us up by way of reminder. To stir us up by way of reminder. In the the Greek word for stirrup is used most often for waking someone from sleep. And I thought, that's what I need. That's what we need. And that's really what Dennis and I hope the Lord will do through this Advent series, is that he will stir us up by way of reminder that he would awaken us afresh to hear afresh the deep beauty of Christmas. And so toward that end, let's ask him to do so now. Lord God, we thank you that the story that we have begun to read last week and that we read again this week and on into the next couple of weeks. We thank you that this story is true. We thank you that this truth is your great gift to us. And so we pray that you would do what only you can do. And that is, would you awaken our hearts? Would you stir us up that we would hear afresh the deep beauty of Christmas? And so we look to you now. Speak through the power of your spirit, the power of your word. To you we turn, in Jesus we pray. Amen. And so I invite you to hear the word of God from Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they had come together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And This is the word of God. Well, from the beginning of, of chapter 1, as we opened that up last week and we continue uh, this week in chapter 1, from the beginning, Matthew Is showing us that God has already been at work, that God has been orchestrating the needed deliverance of His people. And since the Lord often uses names to reveal His purposes, here the baby is given two names Jesus and Emmanuel. Jesus means God saves. He's given this name, and we see that in verse 21. Why? He's given this name because he will save his people from their sins. Emmanuel means God with us. He's given this name, verse 22, to fulfill a prophecy, a promise from long, long ago. And so, two names, Jesus and Emmanuel. That's what we'll focus our attention on this morning. And so first, Emmanuel, God with us. <clears throat> now, Matthew 1.18 begins, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. But if you take a closer look, you'll realize that it's as much about the virgin conception of Jesus as about his actual birth. Uh, it's about the eternal Son of God, becoming a man. And and we see as we read that it's God's spirit forming this human baby in the womb of the virgin. Uh, Pastor, Professor Dan Doriani notes this. Matthew's account describes more than a birth. In fact, the Greek word translated birth in verse 18 is not the ordinary word for birth at all. To translate more literally, Matthew says the origin of Jesus Christ or the genesis Of Jesus Christ. The origin of Jesus Christ was like this. Matthew wrote his account so that all may know the origin and conception of this virgin-born child. And further, as we take a look at verses 22 and 23, we see the birth of Jesus took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so, what we have here, simply put, is this God entered our story. God entered our story. Emmanuel, God with us. And, and notice, it's not a prayer. It's not, God, please be with us. It is a statement. It is a statement of fact. God with us. It is the fulfillment of a prophecy. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. God entered our story. Well, Sally Lloyd-Jones paints a beautiful picture of this in her Jesus Storybook Bible. And this is what she writes. The God who flung planets into space and keeps them whirling around and around. The God who made the vast universe with just one word. The God who could do anything at all was making himself small and coming down as a baby. God was coming to us, coming to rescue the world. God coming to us, God coming to rescue the world. Many of you know the Apostles' Creed, where we profess, I believe, in God the Father Almighty and in Jesus Christ, His Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and that's the heart of Christmas, the Incarnation, the Incarnation. God becoming man, the God-man, fully God and fully man. God coming to us, God with us. And this is the beauty and the power of the Christian faith. Because every other religion is about what we must do, about the steps that you can take to find God, about how you can find him, but Christianity is about God. And about what God has already done, about God coming to find you. God entered our story. And so, in the name of Emmanuel, we see who he is God with us. And then, in the name of Jesus, we see what he does, God saves. And so the second name, Jesus, God saves. Well, in the passage, we we see that that through the angel, uh, God tells Joseph three things. He tells Joseph that the child is a boy, uh, that his name must be Jesus, and then he gives the why behind the name. Verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because He will save his people from their sins. Now, as mentioned, Jesus means God saves. Or or, or more literally, and this will be footnoted in, in some of your Bibles, not all, but in some of your Bibles it may be footnoted that more literally it's the Lord saves. And you'll see the Lord in small caps. And as some of you have heard before, whenever you see the Lord in small caps, it refers to the personal name of God, Yahweh. And so this is the personal God, the God of the universe, revealing himself personally to his people. Uh, Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. And of course, throughout scripture, we, we see that the Lord saves and delivers his people in a number of ways. We even sang about some of them this morning. He gives food to the hungry he heals the sick he comforts the brokenhearted and on and on and many people had hoped that this promised messiah that he would come and he would bring a military conquest that he would rescue israel from its roman oppressors but the angel declares god's agenda Not man's agenda, but God's agenda. And Doriani puts it this way. Jesus will not save his people from physical enemies, at least not yet. First and fundamentally, he will save his people from their sins. Sin is the root of all other calamities. Yes, calamity comes from many sources. Accidents, forgetfulness, disease, for example, but the root cause of all disorder is sin. And the greatest disorder is to be at odds with God. Jesus will save his people from that. Jesus will save his people from their sins by living the life they should have lived and dying the death they should have died. And Then in the words of theologian Michael Green, Celebrating this account, he says, Here at the annunciation of Jesus' birth, we are brought face to face with the central theme of the gospel. Okay, hear that? The central theme of the gospel. That God, who has been at work among his people since the time of Abraham, has now come among them in person. And he has come for the specific purpose of rescuing them from the horrific mess they have gotten themselves into. You see, Christianity is not good advice about morals and what you should do. Rather, it is good news about God and what he has already done for us. That's what Christmas is all about. The good news about God and what what he has already done for us in Jesus And we receive this good news through faith, by believing the truth about Jesus, trusting in him for the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God, and then learning to trust him day in and day out to protect and provide for us in any and every circumstance, no matter what. Trust. Trust is at the heart of knowing and loving God. But we encounter another problem here. It's with this idea of trust. Because we all struggle to fully trust him, don't we? In fact, we've all struggled to fully trust God ever since that terrible lie in the garden back in Genesis 3. You see, at the heart of sin is a lie. A terrible lie. And I'm going to talk about the lie in a moment, but but I first want to illustrate this. Uh, I'm going to use an illustration. Some of you are familiar with uh, Scottish uh, pastor Sinclair Ferguson. And he was talking about what happened with Adam and Eve and and the serpent uh, in the garden back in Genesis 3. And so he, he invites us to imagine that it's Christmas time. So imagine, it's Christmas time. But not only that, imagine yourself at FAO Schwartz at Christmas time. Anybody ever been to an FAO Schwartz or seen? I mean, amazing. So there, there, there are a bunch of them across the country. It is the, the oldest toy store in the United States. Big one in Manhattan, big one in Boston. I think the one in Boston was the first one I went to as a young adult. And I felt like I was rediscovering my childhood. I mean, it's like Toys R Us and Disney come together on steroids. <laughs> it, it, it's a wonderland, and then when you throw in Christmas, just even more amazing. Okay, now, imagine a father at FAO Schwartz at Christmas time with his young son, say maybe five years old. And they spend about an hour and they're walking through section after section. And the son is just overwhelmed because they're bigger than than life-size stuffed animals. There are games and, and toys from around the world. There is a piano keyboard on the floor that you can dance on, and it plays music. And just the little boy is in awe. And they walk through that store, and after an hour or so, they go downstairs to the coffee shop. And the dad gets himself a cup of coffee and gets his little boy a hot chocolate. And he says to his son, what did you think? Wow, dad, it's amazing. And his dad says, well, how would you like to have something from the toy store? Oh, dad, could I? Could I really? Anything? Son, how would you like to have everything in the toy store? Wow, dad, that would be the greatest Okay, son, I want you to listen and listen carefully. You will never have anything from this toy store. Not now, not ever. Do I make myself clear? Let's go home. I mean, hard to, it's hard to imagine. It's devastating. If you think about that scene, I mean, this kid is going to be warped for the rest of his life. Hey, th- this, this is a deep wound in his heart of hearts. And you know what he's going to struggle with the rest of his life? Trusting his dad. D- does my dad, does he, really, does he really care? Does he really want the best for me? I, I just don't know. And not only that, but it's going to affect the way that he relates to any person he ever meets. He will always struggle with trusting others. Okay, so so let's go to the garden, Genesis chapter 3. God creates, creates everything, then creates Adam and Eve, and then he says, this is all yours, all of it, the beauty and the wonder, the fruit. Take, eat, enjoy, and let's celebrate and, and live together. Now, except for this one tree, the center of the garden, do not eat from that. And you see, as you... Refrain from eating from it. Your, your trust in me is going to grow. And your love for me is going to grow. And our, our relationship is going is to grow and flourish. It's going to deepen in joy and delight. You'll live happily ever after. But then enter the serpent. The serpent comes to Adam and Eve and says, Did God really say? That you can't eat anything in this beautiful garden? Well, no, 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 no. He, he, he said we could have everything, anything, I- I- except for that tree at the, the center of the garden. Oh, that tree. The most beautiful tree, the best tree. That's because if you eat of it, God knows that you will be just like Him. You will know everything. God doesn't want the best for you. Can you really trust him? And they ate of the fruit. And Dr. Ferguson then said this, It was at that moment that the terrible lie entered the bloodstream of the human race. And ever since that terrible lie in the garden, we have all struggled to fully trust God. Whether initially for the first time, trusting him for salvation from sin, or trusting him as as someone who is a Christian, trusting him day to day to provide and protect, to grow your joy in him. But God entered our story. God entered our story to save us from that terrible lie, the lie at the heart of sin. God entered our story to destroy sin and death by dying on a cross for you and for me. The Apostle John uh, states it so clearly and succinctly as, as to why. To why God entered our story. As to, to why Christmas happened. This is what he writes in uh, 1 John chapter 3. This is a uh, part of verse 5 and, and verse 8. You know that Jesus appeared in order to take away sins. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why Christmas happened. You see, Christmas really challenges that lie deep within. If we really hear the story, if we really hear the truth of the story, it challenges that lie, the lie that, as one theologian puts it, has become the main working assumption, operating principle of your hearts and my heart. The lie that you can't fully trust God, that, that you'll be miserable if you ever give yourself completely to him. Does, does God really love me? Does, does he really want me to be happy or does he just want me to follow these rules? I mean, can, can I fully trust him in any in every circumstance, no matter what? Friends, we have all, been warped by the lie we've all been wounded in our in our heart of hearts we've all been wounded by the father of lies the father of lies and don't be fooled the serpent still hisses but god entered our story Jesus came to save us from our sins and from the very lie at the heart of them. You see, at Christmas, we look to both the cradle and the cross. In the cradle, we see Emmanuel, God with us. At the cross, we see Jesus, God saved. And did you know the first name of the Savior given in the Bible? It it isn't Emmanuel or Jesus. The first name of the Savior given in the Bible is found right after the fall. Right after the conversation between the serpent and Adam and Eve and their disobedience. Right after we chose to believe the terrible lie. Rather than believe the holy, loving God who made us and gave us life. In Genesis 3.15, we see that the Savior is first referred to as seed of the woman. Seed of the woman. It's the promise that a baby would come. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. He is God with us. Emmanuel. And, and what do we see him do? Well, it says that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. On the cross, the snake crusher destroyed sin and death. He is Jesus. The Lord saves. Brothers and sisters, this is the story of Christmas. This is the truth of Of God to us. This is the gift. The gift to you and me. Don't miss it. This Christmas. Really hear the story. Read the story. Think on the story. And rejoice. Rejoice in it. Rejoice in God. With us. The God who saves. Because that's. What Christmas is really all about. Amen? Amen. Amen.